Welcome to Sofa Security Chat Chat, episode 121 for October the 28th, 2013. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and I'm here with my faithful guest once again, Paul Ducklin. Welcome back, Paul. Hello, Chester. You're in Seattle today, aren't you? I am in Seattle, and I'm um, a little disappointed that uh, I got to sneak a weather reference in for one of our listeners. Uh, when I left Vancouver today, it was beautiful and sunny, and I was very optimistic that uh, for an autumn day that it was going to be really nice drive down, and I get here to Seattle, and it is exactly as it's uh, portrayed in the movies. Raining in the Pacific Northwest. Who would have thought? Yeah, exactly. And uh, we're kind of announcing with this chat chat that we're switching back to a weekly format. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to stick with that. So I think one of the big security updates, there was lots of security updates this week in a, in a very positive way, I, I think, myself. And one of the biggest ones for me was WordPress 3.7. Uh, our colleague Mark Stockley wrote up on Naked Security about the introduction of an automatic updating mechanism. And this is a good thing, right? Why wouldn't you want an update? Yes, I agree with you. I am sort of surprised that they didn't offer this long ago. Maybe WordPress was taking that more business-orientated attitude to change control. Whatever the reason was for them not offering this before, upgrade to 3.7 is my recommendation and turn on this feature. If you do, you will not be leaving yourself as low-hanging fruit for crooks in the future. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we've been beneficiaries of this type of policy as WordPress.com VIP customers on Naked Security uh, for a couple of years now. And it's really nice to not have to worry about each theme and plugin and et cetera, et cetera, and know that, you know, the site's on the current code version that is to the most safe and secure that we are aware of and, and to just worry about writing our articles and let somebody else worry about the rest. Chester, that reminds me of something if you turn on this feature in WordPress 3.7, does it take care of your themes and plugins as well? Because we've spoken about the need to update those in addition to WordPress many times before. Yeah, it is another option that you can choose to also automatically update the themes and plugins. It, it probably will save you a lot of grief. Yes, and I seem to remember when we spoke about this before, we likened uh, updating WordPress but not your plugins to updating Windows, but not Internet Explorer, or updating Internet Explorer, but not Microsoft Office. They kind of all go together. It's exactly the same on the server side of the equation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess since we're on the theme of updates, there was a, a large OS X update uh, released last week as part of Apple's fanfare with the new devices and, and then all the things that were going on. Uh, OS X Mavericks, that is what, is that 10.9? It is the first OS X release that is not named after a cat. OS Xs are going to be named after funky places in California. And I'm led to believe that Mavericks is a surf break three kilometers off the coast near Half Moon Bay where waves reach a whopping 24 meters. The good news is I haven't been engulfed by a 24-meter wave since I did my upgrade. It actually all went really, really well, and I recommend it. Fanboy, though, I may have turned into. Yeah, I, I, I usually measure waves in megabytes, not meters, but perhaps I need to get out more. <laughs> it was a 5.3 gigabyte wave from a download point of view. So as, a, as an update slash upgrade, it's not small. 
Uh, do you have any thoughts on the introduction security-wise of things like this new iCloud keychain or anything else? My take on the Mavericks update, aside from not being named after a cat, is that it kind of suggests Apple is taking a new direction and saying, well, instead of supporting, like before, you could run 10.6, 10.7, or 10.8, and they provided backported security fixes for the previous two, it kind of looks as though they're going down the Firefox or the Google Chrome, there's one train line and you stop at every station on the way and no branch lines. Um, because actually there were a whole bunch of important, really important, in my opinion, security fixes in Mavericks. Uh, and there hasn't been a concomitant security patch for OS 10.8 yet. Yeah, that, that to me is a little worrying because I know a lot of people uh, are, are often hesitant to always update to the latest thing. There may be features that change that they don't like. I did a fresh install. I like to do that. My immediate thoughts with Mavericks is that the performance is palpably better than I was getting with Mountain Lion. That's just my experience. Obviously, the hardware is identical. But like I said, the thing that really made me want to move fast were the security fixes. So there's an application firewall bug where, oh dear, you block an application, but the firewall forgets to block it. A sandbox bypass where you lock a software in the sandbox and it can kind of restart itself with the sandbox disabled. Reset function in Safari, forgot to delete session cookies so you might stay logged in by mistake. Lock screens that actually allowed windows with potential personal information in to pop up over the top. I considered it a security update as well as an operating system upgrade. And while we're on the topic of Apple, there uh, was also some a story I wrote about from the Hack in the Box conference in Malaysia about uh, two-factor authentication, or I guess as Apple calls it, two-step authentication not properly protecting iCloud documents and, and iPhone and iPad backups that are sent to the iCloud. I don't want to underplay the work that went into the research in that uh, hack-in-the-box paper, but it was, in the end, the conclusion really only restated facts that you probably ought to have known but might have neglected, namely that Apple does say that the two-step authentication is only about certain aspects of your relationship with Apple. Uh, buying something in the App Store, changing stuff on your ID, like the password, and interacting with Apple tech support in order to prevent the, hey, I'll phone up and wipe your device, like happened to Matt Honan. It just reminds us about that caution we have to have when particularly cloud operators say, hey, we've got this fantastic security system and it's going to save the world, but it doesn't necessarily operate in all aspects of their service make sure that you realize where the two-step authentication actually adds value and where it does not. Another story from Naked Security this week, uh, turns out it's not just the NSA or law enforcement that want to use your cell phone to track where you go and what you're doing. Um, it may be also your favorite retailer or your local shopping mall. Uh, I guess they're tracking people's devices beaconing their MAC addresses to determine like I guess where what the flow is through the mall or through the store and perhaps um, use that for product placement and things I mean this kind of sounds a little spooky yes uh, it's like a minority report deja vu all over again isn't it a MAC address is about as close to PII or personally identifiable information as you can get um, because it's basically burned into the 
firmware in say your phone when you buy and use it so if you keep that phone and use it for six months a year three years uh, in what way is the mac address not pii well not to mention uh you know when your phone is beaconing out these these wi-fi signals it's usually to try to connect to your home network which many people identify with uh, personal names and things like that it's the reason i changed my ssid to justin bieber's iphone years ago just because uh I don't like the idea that, you know, I'd be broadcasting my name out because I forgot to, to erase an access point name. But yeah, it, it is a little creepy. And, and of course, similar to Google, they have some sort of a cockamamie opt-out scheme where, of course, you can register your MAC address in a database somewhere and say you don't want to be tracked, which I'm trying to think of. I don't even know how the average person would go about finding out their own mac address of their of their phone necessarily uh the only thing that comes to mind is for me to slip in a brief product pitch and say well if they were using a sophos utm they could go and look at the mac address in the dhcp database in the web interface but you know who who's going to know that like how is my mother and father supposed to figure out like the mac address of their phone so they can tell uh some retailer that they may or may not even know about that they don't want to be tracked it's often printed on the back not on my phone. <laughs> what really bugs me, and it bugged me about Do Not Track, which fortunately has sort of imploded, is this whole idea that of opting in to opting out. It, it just seems to be a complication that we can do without. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know how you solve the problem necessarily. I mean, I guess you could regulate it, but the reality is it, your phone is... Uh, broadcasting its its location to a degree um, all the time and if you are concerned about these things i guess the temporary solution to being sure is to just disable your wi-fi radio perhaps disable your bluetooth radio when you're not actually using those functions and be amazed at how much longer your battery will last exactly the last story, speaking of radio waves uh, that i wanted to speak about is there was some news about uh, Dick Cheney was on television in the United States uh, last week talking about how his pacemaker was modified specifically by the manufacturer to not accept programming via radio. You know, this is another area where perhaps a little oversight or regulation might go a long way. I, I personally uh, wear an insulin pump and have and, and been very concerned about this type of a situation where uh, the, the previous brand I had, which happens to be the same brand as, as uh, Mr. Cheney's pacemaker, did not have the ability for me to disable the radio. Um, it was permanently enabled in a way that the user could not control other than to perhaps wrap it in some tinfoil. And, uh, you know, I think these are very important security concerns that people with either implanted or, or life-saving devices attached to their bodies should have some control over. I couldn't agree more. Uh, the the idea the idea that well, if you turn off this automatic radio access in an emergency, then you know it could be very bad. You should be allowed to make that choice because my understanding is that device of yours, that insulin pump. I've seen you use it. If it works correctly, it's supposed to prevent an emergency in the first place. So why actually create a security hole that isn't necessary? Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the convenience of talking to these things via a radio um, isn't to be underestimated. I mean, uh, I know m many women in particular and, and professionals will like to hide the insulin pump uh, underneath their clothing where it may be difficult for them to physically access, and they choose to 
communicate or control it via a, a remote control like you might have for unlocking the door in your car. Or even I've seen things related to smartphone apps now that allow people to interact with the device while, while it's hidden away. But for someone like myself who carries it in my pocket, um, I don't want the radio. You know, I want to be able to disable that radio because uh, I don't see the benefit personally from having access to that. One of the other really clever solutions that I've heard proposed specifically for pacemakers, so in situations like with the, the former vice president, is uh, an, a necklace that's magnetic. And when the magnet is present uh, around your neck, it's close enough to the heart that it's sensed and it turns off the radio. And then when you go to your physician to download the logs of, of how your ticker's doing, you take off the necklace and it enables the radio and the device to communicate with an authorized uh, physician and then uh, you're, you're good to go. So, I mean, there are solutions to these problems. That I think, um, I don't think we should browbeat the manufacturers necessarily, but I think we do need to have a, a public open discussion about uh, what things can be done to, to better secure our, our, our personal medical devices and, and encourage manufacturers to get creative. That concludes Software Security Chat Chat episode 121. As always, for the latest news, visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are available at podcasts.sophos.com on iTunes and via RSS. And until next time, stay secure.